Hi there, my name is Adam Waters, and I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. I'm just so glad that you made the decision to take us along with you this week on life's journey. Here at Grace Bible Church, we are a family of faith who seeks forgiveness, healing, and hope in Jesus Christ. Now, we might all come from different backgrounds, but each of us recognize that the tremendous needs in our lives point us to one place, to God, for His answers, His provision, and mostly for His grace. I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. Memorial Day weekend. If you are still in the hallways and can hear the sound of my voice, come into the, grab your last cup of donut, your last donut hole and your last cup of coffee. Come on in and c- join us for worship today because we have a lot to, w- w- to be thankful for and a lot to worship about. What I want to make sure you are welcome to Grace Bible Church. You can find a lot of information about Gr- Grace Bible. If you are new to, uh, to the building or new to our channel, we're thankful that you're here. You can, our church website is at gbcelm.org. You can find us on your favorite social media platform at gbcelm. Just search for that. If you, there's a lot of information that we talk about that we do not share these, these, these moments that you can find out by looking at our Grace Connect, which information is on the table or through the email that is sent out every Friday. If you don't get those emails, please talk to one of our church staff and they'd be love to have, add you to that so you can be informed as well as I, our day, we are. Uh, but this is Memorial Day weekend, and we are so grateful for those who have given their lives for our country. This is uh, a time where we a lot of think of Memorial Day weekend. We think day off and barbecue and beach. This is all more, more importantly the day that we remember what uh, those who have given lives so we can have these type of freedoms and enjoyments. So keep that in memory as today and tomorrow as we go and do. For our offering, there's a lot of ways you can give to our to help uh, worship. If through worship, it's through your financial resources. You can give your offering uh, through our websites, uh, through the link that's in the description box below, or place it in the, one of the secure boxes that are in the atrium on your way out. We either, and you can place your if you have if you still have baby bottles, you can give those to to the church office or talk to Mr. Wiesman. If he has, he will be the one, the po- your point person for that. But either way, we thank you for your generosity. It helped be this ge- your generous gen- generosity enables enables us to minister and do so much good throughout it. So our um, for missionary missionary today is the Shelleys, Joel and Rachel, through the ministry Word of Life Ministry in the Philippines. We have a great prayer request, a great praise, thank you from the Shelleys as they're able to do camps again. It has been quite a while due to COVID, but they've been able to do them at camps again. And 500, let me say that again, 500 people came to camp last weekend. <laughs> yeah. And praise, like, praise God for that. Continue to be praying for their op- open hearts. It's, that can, the Lord can change as well for that. Let's pray now as we, and they, as we start our service. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you are the God who of all creation, the Lord Almighty. We thank you for the fact that you're the God who sees, who knows all about us, each and every one of us, from every detail of us to every detail of our life. 
Father, we know that you see us, you know us, you care for us. Father, we thank you for we thank you for so much. Father, most importantly, I thank you for the time that we can be here in worship. Father, my prayer for this time, this hour or so that we spend together, is that the doors could be closed. Where we could close them off, well, physically, but also emotionally, for the for the week that for the tasks that are in our head, the things that need to be done tonight, the things that need to be done this week, so we can just sit here and focus on you. So we can have a moment of worship of the one who is worthy to be worshiped. Father God, I thank you for that, that we can be here to worship you through our singing, through our prayer, through our fellowship, through the study of your word. Father, thank you for Pastor Adam as he guides us this morning. With all things we gather to your name, amen. Situations that seem impossible, situations that make you doubt, situations like what Gideon judges experienced. Well, instead of going back to the past to visit Gideon, we are going to introduce you to a present day situation. Today, we have a guest experienced a situation that seems impossible, a situation that caused doubt, a situation that needed a miracle. Let's welcome our guest, guest, Isabella Paoli, and hear her story. <laughs> Hello, Bella. You don't mind if I call you Bella, do you? Nope. Thank you so much for coming today and being willing to share your story. I understand you had a problem with your eyes. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, so I have myopia, and that means that I can see things that are close up, but things that are far away are blurry, and so I have to wear glasses or contacts. All right, and then the doctor decided that you needed to wear contacts, right? Yep. Had you ever worn contacts before? Mm -mm. No. Did, had you ever put contacts in your eyes before? Nope. Did that seem like a scary thing? Yes. Did you doubt that you could put the contacts in? Yes. Yeah. Any other thoughts? No, not really. No. <laughs> Look, the time has flown by. It's already time for a commercial break. We'll be right back after this announcement to hear if Bella was able to overcome her fear and doubt. Wow, look at all this stuff that the pioneers left behind on their travels to the West. Yeah, so much stuff. Let's collect it all and bring it to Grace Bible Church so they can use it for their VBS summer camp. Is it going to be enough? No, we'll need more. Howdy, folks. We need you to help us make our VBS Frontier Faith be the best one yet. So take the trail to your houses and see what's been left behind from the 1800s. Then gather it up and mosey on back to church or send a letter to Judy Curtis if you need more information. A list of what we need is found at the Kingdom Kids check-in desk or near Friday Grace Connect. Thanks. God bless you all. Welcome back to our show. We're here with a live studio audience, and we're hearing the amazing true story of Isabella Paoli. So let's hear the rest of the story. 
So Bella, you were told you had to wear contacts to help mm -hmm. you with your vision problem, but you'd never worn contacts before and putting a contact in your eye seemed impossible and scary. You really doubted you could ever do it, right? Yep. So did your parents try and help you with it? Yes. What did they do? Well, sometimes they kept my eye open for me or put the contacts in. And how did you react? How did you act when you were they were trying to put the contacts in? Well, so when I tried to put the contacts in, my eye would my other eye would close, and then the other eye would close. Were you calm or were you really upset? I was at really upset. Yeah, at first, right? Right, but then what advice did your mom and dad give you? Well, my parents said to pray about it and also to stay calm. Okay, and did that help in the long run? Yes. It did. So are you wearing contacts now? Yes. Yes, and is it going good? Yes. All right. God gave us parents to help us, and God helps them. God gives parents who love Jesus lots of help because parents pray a lot. What advice, so you know what advice you got was help be calm and be peaceful and relax, right? And then trust that your parents knew what you were doing and you could do it, even though you doubted. That's wonderful news. And in Philippians 4, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can you say that? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you so much for coming today, Bella, and sharing your story with us. Hopefully, Bella's story will remind us all to ask God for help and ask others for help, too, during the times that we doubt and struggle. Let's pray and thank God for all this help that he gives us. Dear mighty God, who cares for us always, we thank you for helping Bella to be able to do a very difficult thing. We thank you that you gave her a mom and dad who love you and helped her. Even though we may doubt, that we will have victory in the struggles of life. Lord, help us to remember we can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives us the strength. Help each person here who is struggling and doubting today. You are a great God and Savior. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Thank you all for tuning in today. We'll see you next time on Kingdom Kids Focus. Bye-bye. <laughs>
The bottom line is, is that there are times in our life that we have to simply doubt with faith. Now, is there something in your life that you're struggling to believe God for? Has he told you that somebody in your life is going to finally turn to him? Is there a secret sin that you're dealing with that God is pushing you and encouraging you and calling you, convicting you to address in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit, yet you're afraid of what it might mean? Is there a relationship that you're in that needs to be cut off, one that is bringing pain and toxicity instead of one that is bringing joy and freedom and liberation? Maybe there's a battle somewhere else in your life that just seems impossible. It's as if the battle is lost and there hasn't even been one shot fired yet. You know, before I was a believer, I uh, was an atheist, and I did not believe God existed at all. I was the doubter of the highest order. I was the skeptic of skeptics. It wasn't until after I was saved and God opened my eyes to see the truth that I was able to receive the fact that he exists, that Christ is his son, that he died for me, and embrace it in my own life. And I would read books that said things like, doubting is sinful. And I would immediately begin to feel this struggle inside because even after I came to faith, I began to read God's word, try to interpret and understand what it was that he was saying to me, yet I had this deep root of doubt in my heart. And I would feel guilty. I would say, here I'm supposed to believe what God has said, yet I'm doubting what he's saying about this in my own life. It wasn't until years later that I understood that doubt is really about a disposition of the heart. It's a heart issue. We can either doubt with a heart that's closed-minded, a heart that's rebellious unto God and does not want the things of the Lord, or we can doubt with a heart that says, I don't see how this is going to happen, but I'm willing to accept what you're asking me to do in the interim. There are times uh, Lainey goes on walks and we'll have some situation going on in our life or in our family or in someone we life we know. And she tells me often that her prayer is, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know you're going to do something. You know, that is a doubt by faith. That is a doubting with faith. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't understand how it's going to work out, but I know that it is going to one day. So let's take a look at Judges 6.33. This is the story of uh, the fleece and Gideon doubting God using the sign of the fleece to give him encouragement. Last week, um, as we talked about, we were looking at how we tip our idols. This week, I want us to look at how do we address the battle in our life. Like God's calling us to place a stake in the ground. How is it that we work the courage up, that we trust the Lord, even in the face of doubts, and we step out in faith and act against those things? So we're in Judges 633, uh, 6.33 through 40. It says, Now all the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Jezreel Valley is like right in the heart of Israel. It's actually a little bit further north in the Galilee, which is in the northern hilly region of the country, and it's right in the center. This is important because the Jezreel Valley, this statement basically says that the Midianites had free reign of the nation of Israel. They were in the heart of the nation. They could do whatever it is that they wanted. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, verse 34, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abiezrites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali. So they too went up to meet him. Gideon summons four of the tribes of Israel, the tribes surrounding the Jezreel Valley. And what's interesting is he not only calls them, but he calls the people who had just in the previous text wanted him dead. 
we remember when he tipped over the idol in, uh, his, at his father's altar, his own family, his own tribesmen came and called for his head. Yet this is now cloaked with the Spirit of the Lord. This is now Gideon calling them to come defeat with him, join with him in defeating the enemies of Israel. You know, later in the passage, we will see that Gideon's doubting God's word and his will with the sign of the fleece. Yet despite that, before that, he summons thousands of men to battle. Think of the order of the text here. It does not say that Gideon asked God for a sign, God reassured him, and then he blew the trumpet and summoned the tribes. Gideon put a stake in the ground. Gideon, in the power of the Spirit, summoned the nation or the tribes to come and to fight. Now, he had a lot to lose. He had a lot to lose. He did not allow his doubt to get in the way. I mean, he, this is a shame culture. If he would have called them to fight and then in the end chickened out, it would have not looked good for him at all. They would not have fought, and it might even have been worse. Not only that, the failure might have emboldened the Midianites to attack even more. Yet he did it anyway. Gideon demonstrated faith in the face of doubts by acting on what he already knew to be true before asking for any kind of sign or reassurance. So this is the first point for this morning. Act before asking. Act before asking. Now this is different what we normally say regarding God's will. I used to get told as a kid all the time, ask first. You know, I was of the sort of philosophy, it was like, ask for forgiveness, not permission type of person. But I, so I would get told this all the time, ask before acting. But this is different because God has already told us what to do. There are times that we spend wasted asking again and again for answers when God has already given us what it means to step out. If he's already told us what it is that he wants, he had already told Gideon here his command. Over the previous weeks, we've seen it pretty obviously that God has told Gideon that he is going to use him to defeat the enemies of Israel. Prepare for resistance. You know, God has already told us a lot in his word about what we should think, how we should feel about situations, and how we should act. We often make what we doubt or don't know as justifications for not acting on what to do. We ask God for his will. He tells us, and then we say, I don't know if I heard you right. <laughs> that can't be what you just asked me to do. I have a friend who is on The Price is Right, and he couldn't tell me that he was on it, and he won the showcase. He got a car, he had a trip, he had all of these things. He was telling me and all of our friends, you should come over on this date, I want to show you something. Because you know they signed like a non-disclosure until a certain date when it airs. So the date came, we all showed up. He was like, I was on the prices, right? Here's the tape. So he plays the tape for us. And what's funny is, is when they call the next name, when it was his turn, they called his name and he's standing there cheering, but he does not realize that they're calling his name. They call the name again. He's still cheering. Finally, someone next to him says, I think that's you. That's you, isn't it? And he, go, and he can't believe it. He's in doubt. He's in total disbelief that it's actually his name being called. And so he didn't respond because he had an assumption that he would not be called to the front. And the same thing happens in our own life. God calls us to act. God calls us to step out in faith. God calls us to a mission. We doubt that he's actually speaking to us. We don't hear his voice when he speaks to us. We assume he's not going to call us. So it can't be me. It can't be me. So we stand there paralyzed often. Paralyzed. 
We justify to ourselves why we should or should not act, and it keeps us from stepping out in faith. In other words, sometimes we think about things way too much. We need to just act and ask questions later. We need to stop using our ignorance of God's will. I don't know what it is in my life that he wants me to do in this particular situation as a reason to not act. He's given us more than enough in his word. I've learned in my life, rarely do I not know how to address a particular situation. Maybe you can, if you're really honest with yourself, maybe you can see this too. There are times where we're in a relationship or some circumstance happens in our life or some issue arises, and we ask God for wisdom. We say, Lord, I don't know what it is that I'm supposed to do, or I feel sort of ambivalent. I don't know if I should go left or if I should go right. I'm at a fork in the road. Sometimes life is so complicated, it feels like there's 50 forks we could take, you know? But I found in my life that when I'm in those situations, and I'm not sure which direction to go left or right, the truth is, is I really already know the answer. God has already imprinted on our hearts as his children his word. It says he's written his law on the tablet of our hearts. More than that, he's given us his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within us and tells us to go left and go right, convicts us of our sin, encourages us, encourages us when we're downtrodden. I found in my life what I usually need is encouragement to do what it is I know that God is already asking me to do. This is perhaps what Gideon was doing when he was asking for a sign. He was asking for the encouragement of what he already knew. As I say, he acted before he actually asked God for a sign. So what are some of the ways that we can act before asking? In other words, how do we live life like the battle of our sin is already won? First is clean house. There are a lot of things that we can do in our own lives that we can act as if the battle has already been won. We can clean house. First of all, we can look at people, places, and things in our lives. Are there anything that is exalting itself against the knowledge of God in our heart and in our life? Maybe this is an actual thing. Maybe, I left it in the other room, it's a phone. <laughs> a lot of time spent on that phone for many of us. Maybe it's a computer, maybe it's the television, maybe it's something else, a car or a hobby. We're investing all of this time in finding idolatry in these other areas instead of in the one true God. Maybe it's places, maybe it's things, maybe it's people. The people in our lives are often the ones that have the greatest impact on the way we understand God. As we talked about yesterday, uh, last week, that the way we worship the Lord, let me say that, often the relationships in our families are the ones that keep us truly rooted in idolatry, because we don't want to hurt the people that we love. Clean house. Tell others about your struggle and how you're trusting God with the results of the battle. Tell others. Declare biblical truths about who you already are and what God has already done for you in Christ. The mirror. Remember two weeks ago, the mirror. Dispose of things you've held on to that feed your sin. Like I said, an electronic device, a relationship. Maybe it's a resentment that you're holding on to. And when tempted, remind yourself that that temptation has somebody else's name on it. I know when I'm going about my day-to-day, -day, the, the devil likes to tempt me. And I realize when I'm on it and when I'm prepared that that temptation is not meant for me. That temptation was meant for the Adam of 15 years ago. That Adam is dead. All of you who are children of God, your old nature, your old person has died in Christ. You are a new creation. And those temptations that, you are, that are leveled against you today are meant for someone else. They're not meant for you. And so we tell ourselves, 
That's not what I do. That's not me anymore. I'm somebody else. Look at verse 36 with me. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised. The NIV says promised. The the Greek uses the word says, as you have said. I think it's interesting that the NIV uses the word promise here because it really what it is. God's state, state declaration of something is as good as a promise. It says, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece and on the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is exactly what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung the dew, and a bowl full of water came out. So who knows what a fleece is? Kids, you know, do you know what a fleece is? It's not like a Patagonia or a North Face. I mean, that's probably what, what is it? Say it again, shirts made of? It's wool, that's true. What's wool come from? Go ahead, AJ. Sheep. So a fleece is like, you know, did you ever see those videos of them shearing a sheep? They're, they're gi- First of all, these sheep are ginormous. There's so much wool on them. And they try to shear them off in one large piece. And often a fleece of, sh- of wool is, you know, 60 or 70 pounds. It's, it's really, really heavy. And so this is what Gideon has. It's the wool that's been shorn off of a sheep. And he lays it out and he asks the Lord for a sign. He asks the Lord for a sign that God would indeed give him the victory that he promised against the Midianites. Gideon's request is likely related to an ignorance of God. Remember, he grew up in an idolatrous family. He doesn't know who Yahweh is. He doesn't know the character of Yahweh. He's simply asking for some affirmation, for some Proof. Nah, proof is a wrong word, because that's what I'm going to rail against. He's looking for reassurance. But we have no excuse for our ignorance, do we? We have God's word. Oftentimes we spend a lot of time wondering what God would have us do in things not stated in his word, instead of focusing on doing what it says in his word. We need to be focused on what God has said. Sometimes we doubt because we do not realize what God has already declared to be true. We need to make an effort to understand what God is saying to us. Again, we work off what we do know in the interim until we better understand God or our situation. Now, what's interesting is that God met his, his request for a sign with grace. You know, I think there are times that we've been told that when we ask God for a sign, it is in some way sinful doubt, some way it's negative. Yet God allowed Gideon's request for a sign to stand. Later in chapter 7, God actually says to Gideon, you're probably going to want a sign, so I'm going to give you a sign. He actually beats him to the punch in asking. God's often more interested in saving his people than saving his reputation. In other words, God's gracious and he's willing to deal with our doubts. He's willing to answer our questions and he's unaffected by those questions. All right, number two. When asking, asking God for wisdom, when asking, seek affirmation and not proof. Affirmation. Who knows what, can one of the kids tell me what affirmation means? Go ahead, let's hear it. When somebody affirms something, that is like my kind of a high school answer right there. Okay, go ahead. I didn't have to. <laughs> she, she said, that's practically what I said. Yes, that is true. 
Affirmation is when you believe something is true and someone else tells you that it's true too. It's someone assuring you or giving confirmation, right? It's really close to this idea of encouragement. Like, I don't really always know what to do, but then I think I know what to do because the Lord has been speaking to me and then someone else comes along and says, hey, you should do this too. That's God's affirmation of my course of action. That's God telling me, yes, go forward, right? But often we seek proof when we ask questions. We say, Lord, I know you've called me to this direction. I know you've called me to this area of obedience or this step that I have to take by faith, but I need proof first before I'm going to step out. But what is proof really when we consider proof? Proof comes, the request for proof, The demand for proof comes from a heart that's really unwilling to believe. What we're looking for is evidence that something is sure. Proof does not exist. What we need is a change of mindset and attitude. We need open-mindedness when we ask God what it is that he's calling us to do. It's impossible to put a new idea in a closed mind. Sometimes we'll say, Lord, what should I do? He says, I want you to do this. We say, yeah, but what else do you want me to do? because we don't want to do the first thing that he's called us to do. We need humility, because humility is willing to step out in faith. Arrogance demands proof. And perhaps our biggest issue is willingness. I had somebody call me once, who called a lot, and they were struggling for a long time, and it was me putting a lot of effort in, and they called, and the first thing they said when they picked up the phone is, I need help. And my response after months and months was, you need willingness. This is something I sense in all of our lives. I talk to all of you. I know what you're going through. I know the things that you struggle with and the victories that you have in your life for the most part. I know certainly my life. There are times when We know exactly what it is that God is calling us to do, but we just don't want to do it. Either through fear or rebellion or it's unpalatable of something. But what we need is willingness. Willingness. Verse 39, Then Gideon said to God, Don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. So the first time, The water is all inside of the fleece, but the ground is dry. This time he asks for the exact opposite. It's actually a harder thing to do if you think about it. Any of you have been camping. You know, you might leave out a jacket overnight or something, and the jacket's all wet, but the ground, which has been the sun's been on, is dry. So that seems like a natural thing. What he asks here is after he's gotten his first sign, well, let me make it a little harder. He's sort of moving the goalpost for God. He's saying, now if you show me this sign, right? I think this is where Gideon begins to encroach on sinful doubt. He's already asked once. The Lord has already answered. He believes again. Asking or asking again could cause God to grow angry and impatient. So he knew. He knew that he was encroaching in an area of disbelief. Yet God again plays along, giving an even greater display of his power. God is gracious to us in our requests. We should respond with willingness to act on exactly what it is and exactly the way that he's calling us to act. Verse 40, that night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. Gideon's second request shows us that he moved beyond simply seeking affirmation and he moved into a place of sinful doubt. And we can learn this from James as well. In James 1, 5-8 it says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Let him ask in faith without, without 
with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea and is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded, unstable in all of his ways. The reason I bring this up is in my, the, the planning team for this sermon, for this message, and for the series, actually, this question came up. Well, if we doubt with faith, doesn't that go against what James specifically says about having faith without doubting? That when we have doubt, it's actually working against us. But when we look at the passage, it's a great question, and it's totally reasonable. But when we look at the passage and we look at the Greek in it, it's a, the word here that is used for doubt means to disagree with God based on your own judgment. It's this idea of like sorting things out. I have all of these. It's like I'm looking for God's answer, and I'm looking for my answer, and I'm placing them on equal footing. God says this. I say this. It's disregarding what God says. It places your assessment of the situation on equal ground as the Lord's. So doubting this passage looks like asking for answers and not liking what you receive. Okay, This is different than asking for answers, not liking what you receive, and acting on it anyway. This is what Gideon did. Acted on it anyway. Who know, None of the kids are going to know this one. Magic 8-Ball. You remember those? Magic 8-Ball? Do you guys know what a Magic 8-Ball is, kids? Okay, it's a, it's a little black 8-Ball, like from a pool game, right? So you're nodding, right? And there's a little window in it. And inside there is dark liquid and some dye or something like that. And it's got 20 answers, 20 possible answers on it. And you shake the ball around and you hold it up and just randomly one of the things comes up and it tells you one of the answers. Well, I remember being a kid, liking a girl, holding my magic eight ball and saying, all right, I'm going to ask her out. I'm going to ask her out. And shaking the eight ball, does she like me? Or should I ask her out? Not today. <laughs> no, 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 that can't be. So I, instead of just saying, okay, no, I shake it up again. Does she like me back? Doesn't look good for you. <laughs> shake it up until we get the, we do this with God all the time. We ask God for an answer. He gives us an answer. We don't like the answer, so we ask again. And we spend a lot of time wondering and wandering in the wilderness of our Christian life, wondering how we should act when God has already told us. God has already told us. We don't shop for the answers that we want with God. We ask God. We seek affirmation. And then three, we receive our affirmation with confidence. Once God has told us, we step out and we act in faith. Like I said, part of the reason Gideon didn't understand who God was was because he was raised in a polytheistic society. A lot of competing ideas about what God, whatever that is out there, from their perspective, wanted of him. You know, Gideon probably didn't have a working knowledge of Yahweh. Maybe he was wondering if Yahweh was as powerful as Baal. Baal was the God of nature. He was the one who, in the, in the Canaanite conception, would be, or the Midianite conception, would be the one responsible for this do and fleece thing. His lack of knowledge of God contributed to his doubt in God's promises, but we have God's word. We need to act like it. We need to step out in faith. We'll never get all the answers we seek. Sometimes when we ask a question and we don't get an answer, God's asking us to either not do something or step out in faith on our own. But I believe God is patient. God is patient. We can have confidence because we know the Lord. We have his word. We've seen his works in our lives and the lives of others. We cannot see what lays ahead for us, but we must trust what he's telling us is true. When I served with 
Memorial Day weekend when I was in the military. Uh, I was with an artillery battalion. An artillery piece is like a cannon. You know, you point it up in the air, you shoot a huge projectile, and it's an indirect fire weapon. That means you don't shoot right at something. You shoot it up in the air and it lobs on top of them and falls on them, okay? And you can't see. So you have a group of people who are right at the enemy's front door. They're called forward observers. Those forward observers are looking through binoculars, they're looking at a map, they're orienting the enemy to the map, they're saying, this is the grid, the location that they are, so adjust your gun to aim this way. Again, when you're adjusting the gun, you have no idea where you're shooting or where that's going to hit. You're simply trusting your forward observer. So you'd fire a round and you would just have to wait. The round would hit wherever it would miss, the forward observers would adjust the aim, and then you would shoot again. We must trust God because he sees the battlefield that we do not. Okay? When we're shooting, when we're living, when we're stepping out in obedience and acting on faith, there are times we are not going to see what is actually happening on the battlefield. We're trusting God as our forward observer to say, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. So when we receive affirmation from God, when God tells us, yes, step out, yes, do this, yes, I will, I promised and I will uh, respond, we need to simply take him at his word and step out with confidence. In this whole passage, you know, Gideon's asking for signs. First he asks for affirmation, then he asks for sinful doubt, sign, a sign like that. But when is Gideon at his best? He think he was at his best when he acted in response to the Holy Spirit. When Gideon acted in faith, he acted in response. It says the Spirit clothed him. Clothed him. That's when he blew the trumpet. That's when he assembled the men to fight against the Midianites. Did you know that we're clothed with the Holy Spirit as well? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon somebody for a purpose, and then the Holy Spirit would leave them. In the New Testament, in our era, because of what Christ has done, since the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and remains on us. We walk in that state. It's only when we decide to take our clothing off, when we decide to quench the Spirit and not live like we're clothed with Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, that it's then that we begin to step out on our own and not do as the Lord has asked us to do. Because of Christ, though, we need not fear stepping out in faith amid our doubt. The pain we might fear in stepping out in faith cannot hurt us anymore. I don't want to do that because what does that mean for me? It doesn't matter. Christ has saved us. Our ego might get hurt, but our soul will still be intact because of Christ. We might fail in some of our attempts to address the sin in our lives, but Christ has promised victory in the end. So in conclusion, act before asking. When asking, seek affirmation and not proof. And three, receive your affirmation with confidence. If you have doubts, that's okay. It's okay to have doubts. But act on God's word anyway. And if you doubt, be sure to doubt with faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask, we beg, we beg that you would take this message and implant it in the hearts of those who have heard it. Even me, Lord, my, my life as well. I pray, Lord, that everything I said would be translated according to your will and to be deposited into the hearts and minds of my brothers and sisters here, Lord. I pray that you would do more than what I can do on my own, that you would multiply the fruits of this message. I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters where they doubt that you would meet them, Lord, that they would step out with willingness, that they would have a, a, this faith, they would, that they would have faith amid their doubt. And I pray, Lord, that this weekend, um, as we consider those who have 
died in service to their country, Lord, that you would be with their families, that you would console their loved ones, their children, and that you would be with those who remain and the thoughts that we carry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In the Old Testament, there's a scene where Moses is holding his hands out to wage battle over the enemies of Israel, but his arms get tired. Remember, he has to sit down and people have to hold his arms up so the battle continue to be won. Well, I'm tired today. So I need some young people to come hold my arms up. Come on. Come on up. Yeah. All right. So you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna put all your energy into your family right now. You're going to think about them. There you go. There you go. I'll, I'll get you your cash later. There you go. Come on. Hold on. Let's get everybody. Okay, let's look at our family. Let's look at our family. All right. We're going to ask God to bless them. You In your hearts, close your eyes, pray. Ready? Father, I pray that you would bless my brothers and sisters, that you would walk with them, give them faith amid their doubt, and that their week would be amazing. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. All right. Good job. My arms are heavy. God bless you and go in peace. Pastor Adam here. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to Grace Bible Church, and I would love to hear what you thought of today's program or of ways that we can be praying for you and with you. So check us out on social media at GBCL. Also, if you would like to support our ministry, you can give securely at our website at www.gbclm.org. Now remember, God loves you, and so do we.